This is Scott Russell Morris, and you are listening to Paper Cuts. Welcome to Paper Cuts, the podcast that talks to zinesters, publishers, and artists about the books that they make. I'm your co-host, Christopher Cardenbicus, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jennifer Lewis. Hello, Jennifer. Hello, Christopher. And with uh, Scott Russell Morris. Uh, Scott Russell Morris is joining us from Songdo, South Korea, where he is a professor at the University of Utah at the international campus there. Scott started the Magpie Zine Project, um, is it two years ago now, or one year? Two years ago. Two years, and you're now on your, your fourth issue, which is really exciting. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. Yeah. So, Scott... First of all, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I know there is a uh, bit of a time difference. It is the future for you <laughs> if you are joining us from tomorrow. Um, so it was morning for you and evening for us. So I really appreciate you making the time. Thanks for having me. And maybe one way to just get started talking about some things is if you don't mind giving us a bit of an elevator pitch for what the Magpie zine project is and it is something that I love as a project of yours because I feel like it combines so many of the interests that I know you to have and I'm looking forward to like teasing that apart throughout the episode. Yeah so Magpie Zines is a um, a zine about tarot magpies and found meaning uh, is my tagline for it and basically it's a mix of um, aesthetically it's like collage arts and found objects. Um, and as far as the project goes, each of the main zines comes with a personal essay of mine. Um, I'm a writer by training, not an artist. And so it comes with a, um, a personal essay and the themes of the essays so far at least have been about uh, tarot and um, my own spiritual practice and um, being queer, and also just the act of collecting things. Um, the second zine was about collecting ideas and introspection. The, the fourth zine that I'm working on right now is specifically about collecting actual physical things, um, but it is a celebration of found objects and every zine comes with a custom tarot card. Uh, which is, um, I'm hoping it's more than just a gimmick, but that it's like a way to help readers remember the things that they've experienced in the zines. The custom tarot card part is something that I also love about this project because it is, mm -hmm. as a magpie collection, it does, each, each issue contains several different tarot cards mm -hmm. uh, from various collections, but you're also building a consistent collection through here as you go with it um, yeah nice. yeah so the the idea of like the magpies themselves were inspired by a few things uh one as you said i live in south korea there are magpies everywhere uh the magpies are i don't know if they're officially the bird of south korea but they are kind of at least unofficially like the Korean bird. They're in a lot of folk tales. Uh, they're in a lot of art. Uh, if you go to a Korean, like a gallery of national Korean art, you will see a lot of tigers and a lot of magpies. 
Um, and so it's, so that was one of the inspirations just kind of drawing from the place where I'm living right now. And then the other one was there's in tarot, there's a recent term. I mean, I think this came about maybe three years ago called a magpie deck, which is where people take um, decks, like a card from one tarot deck and a card from another tarot deck, or even just make their own cards by like cutting up cereal boxes. Uh, and so you get this deck of cards just made that's kind of a mishmash. Um, some people call those tarot, or some people call those decks magpie decks. So I was really inspired by those two things uh, when I was looking for a zine project to start doing. Well, I don't know that I started it as a zine project, but it became a zine project. Uh, and um, yeah, so that's why that's why it is magpie decks. And also just this idea of I am a I am a little bit of a hoarder. I am a little bit of somebody who I dig through the trash a lot. And I have even before this project started, but I have started doing even more. And so just someone who like looks for things to find meaning in. Um, so that's kind of how it how it started. It's also a wonderful way to put it, like looking for things to find meaning in. Um, mm -hmm. A lot about tarot cards and how they're arranged or produced. And I will say that Jennifer mm -hmm. and I both have an interest in tarot, although we are neither of us tarot experts. But one thing that I find so wonderful about the project is that uh, it is a way for you to operate on both ends of the tarot card, one as producer or mm -hmm. uh, composer, like someone who is embedding information into the card, which is a really complex system or can be it's something that fascinates me as a visual artist and then also the like reading of information that is encoded into that card and trying to extrapolate information from it and garner meaning from the composition in the card itself but also the composition of like the cards in a spread which I can imagine only becomes more complex as you're working with a magpie deck and you're able to draw connections between like multiple systems yeah well you said that all in much smarter ways than i ever would have been able to uh, articulate but um absolutely that was definitely um something that i was thinking about with this as i was starting this because like i said i'm not i've never really been much of a visual artist um, i mean i did do photography for a long time i used to do like wedding photography and stuff um and I enjoyed that and tried to make it artistic, but I have no like drawing abilities um, as the cards that I have drawn myself attest. Uh, but I love the visual arts and I am very much a writer and I was trying to find a way that um, I, I could use the visual media that I love uh, and, but have my written portion of it. So I've been relying mostly on, um, my either my very meager actual visual, visual arts abilities uh, I've been using a lot of public domain images with a very vintage vibe mostly because that's what I can find for free online um, but then I also commission art from artists who have actual artistic ability uh, in order to help that and that's been really fun too working with commissioned artists because I've been able to say like here are the vibes that I want. Like, I think my essay is going to be about this and this, but I don't quite know what the essay is going to be about usually. 
Um, and a lot of, not all of the artists I've worked with are familiar with tarot either. So I've been like, you know, you're working with the four of mag, the four in the other suits, the fours have these things going on, like pull from those ideas. Um, and the two of magpies, especially, uh, I love the card art for the two of magpies. It shows a, um, um, it's a very stylized, uh, kind of a magpie sitting on the sun looking into a pond and then in the pond the reflection is a magpie sitting on the moon uh and i i can't remember the brief i gave the artist but it was not that it, i was going for something entirely different originally uh and then he was like well this is what i drew and i was like and it was based on like other things from like especially like a two of pentacles sort of vibe um but i absolutely loved it and my essay changed entirely because of it i um I wrote an entirely different essay than I was planning on, based entirely on the art that he made for me. So it's been a really fun way to, um, like you said, be reading cards that I had input in creating, but did not create myself, and then writing based on the image they actually produce. But then also, um, once I have an idea of what the essay is going to be about, making additional cards to go with it that are sometimes very tangentially related, but in my mind feel like they are connected thematically. So uh, it's been really fun. Um, my artistic ability, is, it's been fun. I've always been a dabbler in the visual arts. Uh, I probably am still just a dabbler, but it's been fun to have a reason to, to dabble. You can bring down your own skills as a visual artist. <laughs> like the idea. <laughs> First of all, like the drawings you have done in these books are really wonderful <laughs> and they communicate very, very well. And the idea that working with collage material is mm -hmm. a visual practice and one that you're quite adept at. Yeah, I have to say one of the zines that's coming out in this series, um, uh, the Seven of Swords, the zine won't be called Seven of Swords, but that's the tarot card that'll come with it. Um, it's gonna be all collage work and the essay that goes with it is gonna be me trying to talk myself into like your collage work is a justifiable art medium. Like just because you didn't come up with the source material doesn't mean you're not an artist in the arrangement of it uh and there's in my journaling around it a line that came out was like you don't have to grow the wheat to claim that you made the cake from scratch um That's so cool. but but in my mind like that is the thing I've said when people are like did you make this cake from scratch it's like well I didn't like make the wheat or grow the egg like <laughs> base the chickens that raise the egg but like in my mind I feel like I have to be able to justify that somehow <laughs> Hmm. Well, that's a great way to think about it. And as you're putting that together, if you need any help to like pump yourself up, <laughs> I am happy to jump onto a Zoom pretty quickly. Thank you. Thank you. Are. And to illustrate that further, um, I was actually just showing uh, the second book to my students today. Uh, school's over, but a couple of students were in the, the studio working hmm. and they were uh, intimidated by it and also really impressed. And oh, thank you. once they were like, got over worried about ripping things or losing cards they got really really invested into it and excited about it excellent well, that's that's around. that all these books take a different form as well yeah uh and the form uh i haven't ex i haven't experimented with it as much as i would like to yet i'm going to continue to learn new paper folding techniques for these but that was something that is very important to me. Uh, even as, uh, you know, so my, my study before is in writing personal essay. 
um, that is kind of my research specialty as a professor is the personal essay. And I've always been very interested in what in the essay world we call visual essays, um, or some people call interactive essays. And um, Ander Munson, who creates a lot of what he calls designed essays, he has a line that the, the, the form must match the content. Um, and so the two of Magpies, especially where the essay comes in the form of a little journal uh, and it's about journaling, it was really important to me that it felt like you were reading a journal. Um, and I get, I get that it's, it's tiny. It's, it's not actually a journal. I, if I had had more means and wanted it to cost a lot more, I would have had to like little leather bound journals inside of there. But it does at least look like the journal I actually had as a child. Um, that blue cover that's on in there and the font, like that is literally what my journal looked like. So, um, yeah, and so I like that the the media hopefully feels like it is at least symbolic of the mood and themes of the essay itself. The Four of Magpies, I haven't quite decided, but I'm almost thinking the essay might come on a bunch of loose cards, um, not full tarot cards, but that it is like a collection. You could read the essay in any order because it's about just amassing things, just a stack of cards, I think. I'm not 100% sure that's how it's going to go yet, but that's what I'm leaning towards. Must also be a very fun writing uh, prompt or exercise for you as well to have more finite beginnings and endings, but things that must still like bleed over into the next card in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I love what in the, again, the writing world we call fragmented essays, where each s each section of the essay is is its own little vignette and stands alone. Um, even the essays I've already been writing tend to be fragmented. Uh, I have a collection of essays that is going to be published soon, and almost all of the essays in that collection are fragmented. Uh, so the idea of an essay that is not just fragmented, but that can be read in any order. Like if you shuffle the cards, you can just pick it up and read it and have it still feel meaningful feels very tarot-ish to me um but also a really fun challenge to see if I can get it to work we take a brief detour to talk about your book a little bit is it too soon sure. to talk about or I mean I don't know any I don't know the publication I don't know the date of a publication that's too okay. soon for that because I have only recently signed the contract but um, I have a collection of essays called, um, or at the moment, it is called Points of Tangency, and it's going to be published by Cornerstone Press, which is from the University of Wisconsin, Stevens Point, uh, and it is an essay collection I have been working on for a very long time. I um, am very excited to finally have it find a publishing home, um, and... Congrats. That's so okay. exciting. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. I'm really happy that it has finally found a place. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, were, well, at least were some of these essays things you would have uh, shared with us during the, the like writing group in Korea that we were part of? Maybe. When you were in the group, the book was mostly done already. Okay. Um, I don't know. 
I can't remember if you did. There was a few things I added, but I think I added them because you were there in 2021, right? Yes. Okay, so I I pretty much finished re Sorry. Was it 2020? Maybe. I don't know. I finished revising the book in 2020 um, because I finished editing it right as the pandemic hit. Um, and I, I so that was part of why I think it took a while was because there was a lot of small presses that shut down during the pandemic. And yeah. so many of the presses I had planned to submit my manuscript to when I was done, they're like, sorry, we're not accepting anything right now. So um, there was probably two years where I had much smaller options of where to submit a manuscript to. So many small presses didn't, I mean, some of them closed, but a lot of them were just, we, we we're not taking anything else for the time being and for a long time. A lot of them still haven't opened up that I've seen. So um, that is yeah, the I tragedy a tragedy of, of the pandemic. Really, absolutely. I think a lot of places were in a bit of a holding pattern just to see what would happen. Right. Also with paper shortages and everything. Yeah. Like we're still working through through that part of it. Yeah. So um yeah, it was good though. But um yeah, it's a it's a collection of personal essays. Uh I hadn't intentional initially intended them to like tell a story I just was like this essay this essay this essay I wrote them over the space of about 10 years so it was a really long ongoing project um, but I realized once it was all kind of done that the story it does tell is me meeting my now wife and um, you know I have an essay I wrote like almost immediately after I met her and I just mentioned I just like met this cool girl like in the essay and then we started dating and then we got married and then we tried to have kids and we do have kids now, but uh, we had some fertility issues. So I read, read about that as well. So the essay ends with the birth of our son, our oldest of our two children. Uh, but it starts with me being like, I'll probably never find someone. <laughs> and then ends with us having a child together. So, um, and then in the space of that, we lived in, um, Utah. We lived in Kazakhstan for a year. We lived in Texas. We traveled to Ecuador. Uh, and so it, it kind of also is a travel-ish um, essay as well. That's great. And also, um, prompts, one of my other questions I had written down was just to trace your path from Utah to South Korea <laughs> and how you and Kirsten got out there. If yes. So even a further detail. Um, yeah, so further detail. So I, um, we have, this is the third time we've lived abroad, the second time, like while working. Uh, and yeah, so I was at the University of uh, Texas Tech, or that's not their name, Texas Tech University, uh, which is in Lubbock, Texas. That's where I did my PhD. Uh, before that, we lived in Kazakhstan for a year we were teaching at a high school there um, and we had gotten to Kazakhstan because uh, Kirsten had a job that she was absolutely miserable in and I was like you're going to quit but you can't work there anymore and I had just finished my master's program which I did at Brigham Young University which is in Utah although that has nothing to do with the fact that I ended up at the University of Utah uh, but um, we, we both had always wanted to try teaching abroad. 
So Kirsten actually was the one who got a job in Kazakhstan. We moved there. Uh, eventually that same school hired me as well. And so we were in Kazakhstan for a year. Um, but then after that, I got into the PhD program at Texas Tech. So we were only in Kazakhstan for a year, but we still really liked having an international experience. So while I was doing my PhD, uh, and Kirsten was just starting her master's program. We moved to South America for only about six months. Um, I wouldn't, it's hard to say we moved there. We we lived there for a while. Uh, so we lived in Ecuador and then Peru and um, had a great time. I got a lot of writing done. I was, I was working on my dissertation and I was reading for my uh, qualifying exams. So I was basically just like reading in really cool places all the time. Uh, reading great essays and I was reading travel essays and food related essays while I was also exploring the foods and travels. Um, that sounds amazing. And then it was really great. Uh, and also Ecuador is so great. And there was the, one of the great things I found when I moved, uh, when we went to Ecuador and I hadn't expected this is that there is a great writers community there. Uh, there's a lot of Americans who retire in the city we are in. We are in the city of Cuenca. Um, it's because Ecuador has good health care, it's really cheap, but they also use the American dollar. So you don't have to worry about um, like fluctuations and prices of stuff. It's just always the American dollar. And um, anyways, there was a, a regular writing group that met and I found them and joined up with them. Um, and a lot of the chapters that ended up in the book uh, were, I, I wrote while I was there. So um, that was really great. And then we went back to Texas, finished my degree, and I was applying for university jobs. Uh, I applied for jobs all over the place, mostly in the United States. But then uh, because I'd had ex I had I had had experience teaching abroad, I'd also been teaching for a university online, specifically in their um, in their class that was for non-native English speakers. Um, so I had a lot of experience that led me to here to the University of Utah which, so I'm at the University of Utah Asia campus. It's basically just an extension office. Um, it's the same degree. All of our students eventually have to go to the main campus in Salt Lake, but they start here. Um, and we've been here for five years now. And it's, it's really great. I, I really love working at the university here. That's wonderful. And if I remember correctly, um, you had mentioned that you were using tarot cards as like a writing exercise with your students, is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I. Um, one of the great things about being a professor is you can impose your nerdiness onto other people occasionally. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning of the semester, I show them my tarot inspired zines and um, I make them make a zine as their very first assignment in the first week. And I give them all a random tarot card and say, you have to make a zine based on this card, but the purpose is to introduce yourself. Um, but we're also, it's a its a writing class. I make them practice a few things. They have to research the meaning of the card. And so I give them some sources and say, go look up the meaning of this card, synthesize them together. Like how do these sources agree and disagree on what this card might mean? And then also um, how does that then apply to you? and they have to make some inferences about their own life, and then they have to tell me a story from their life that goes along with the theme of the card that they drew somehow. So um, 
you know, they're practicing the research skills that we'll get more in depth than later. They're practicing the visual skills because we, we do touch on visual rhetoric and visual media in the class. Uh, and then they're also just practicing telling a story and writing. So it, it's a fun way of practicing it. Uh, and I also get some scenes out of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. A good way to collect scenes and also just get students thinking about, again, like how they can pull information from a source. Exactly. <clears throat> Sorry. I wanted to ask also, um, and Jennifer, this is also a question for you. Maybe we can all talk about this a little bit, but uh, when did you first getting into tarot? Like what's your uh, origin story with the tarot cards? Hmm. Um, it's, I mean, it's pretty amorphous at the beginning. Yeah. I can't quite remember. So the very first essay actually in the book that's coming out mentions the tarot card specifically the fool because the fool is the zero card and the first essay is about zeros and nothingness and stuff like that um and i think that was the first time i had researched a tarot card and and i started getting just kind of mildly interested in tarot then uh and then i heard i heard a writer at a reading mention that like she was a tarot reader and that um she used tarot as a writer. And so I became kind of even more interested in that idea that tarot could be help in a creative practice. But I still didn't even have a deck. And I just, like, I put a tarot deck on my Christmas list, like, every year for several years. Uh, and then eventually just bought one myself because the writer weight, like, it's so cheap. You can find it so cheap. I was like, I don't know why I haven't just bought this. So I did. Uh, and then... Um, the thing, so I started just kind of occasionally using it, and mostly I would use it as a creative writing prompt, uh, where I would just kind of, like, especially when I was writing poetry or shorter essays, it just like, what should I write about today, and stuff like that. Um, and then in, I think it was in 2020, there was a, um, a Kickstarter for the Alley Man Tarot deck. Um, and this was, I think, what really like got me into it um, even more. That I backed the deck because it's it's it is a magpie deck. It's he, he uh, they commissioned lots of um, art from lots of different artists, and I thought that was such a cool, unique thing. And then while I was waiting for that, I started noticing how many cool artists there were out there making tarot cards, and even before I found that it was became a meaningful part of my like spiritual or um, meditation practice. I just love the art of tarot cards. I think it's such a cool way for artists to take these like symbols that you know are um, past are common in society now and to reinterpret them in their own style. Uh, I just think that that's such a, uh, a fun project and it's such a cool way to get art that I actually interact with. Um, yeah. I do love having art on the wall, but there's something about like shuffling through a deck and seeing about their interpretation of these symbols that I really enjoy. So uh, that's one of the ways that I justify owning so many decks, which because I now do own a lot because I am an obsessive collector of things. Um, is that I was like, I'm supporting an artist and I am 
also getting a piece of art that I can appreciate and enjoy. Um, so, but I do actually now use it fairly regularly as an actual meditation practice. I, I will say that I do not believe in magic. I don't believe in fortune telling in any sense, but I do believe strongly that focusing on something and thinking about its, its impact on your life is, um, is pretty great and is really beneficial. Um, and that's how, that's how I use tarot uh, is as like, basically like each card is a list of questions that I can ask myself. Um, and then even if a card comes up in the spread, I don't automatically think like, oh, that is the lesson I have to learn. Sometimes it's even like, does this apply to me? And sometimes the answer is no, this, this symbol does not apply to me right now. But even that is a helpful thing to have learned of like, you know, this is not actually not a challenge in my life right now. Or um, so that's kind of how I, I use uh, tarot. Uh, I have, uh, I'd say most, most weeks, my wife and I have a Wednesday night, what we call tea and tarot, although we very rarely actually drink tea with it. Uh, but we started out that way because we started the practice in wintertime. But now the alliteration is nice. I do like that. It's a, it's a nice alliteration. It sounds like yeah. a great event. And uh, we do occasionally invite friends for tea and tarot. And then we're like, it is tea and tarot. Do you want tea? Because I don't think we're actually going to have any. But anyway, so, but we, um, you know, we read tarot together and uh, it's a great way of talking about what our goals are for that week, what we've been thinking about. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's a few things in that that really resonate with me, uh, especially thinking of tarot as like a regular meditation practice mm -hmm. but also the idea of tarot cards as a like practical art form that is mm -hmm. functional within your daily life and allows you to like yeah. build like changing relationships with the artwork that someone else has produced because different cards can certainly like resonate with you at, at different times and that allows you like regular intervals to spend time with something that someone else created and I find that yeah. to be uh, a pretty amazing way to think about artwork functioning in our lives that is not just like on the walls or existing in like a museum space or something. Yeah, I agree. Because even like the art we have on our wall at home or in my office, I do sometimes like sit and admire it and stuff. But I feel like when I'm reading a tarot deck, even if I'm like when it comes up in a spread, especially. I sit and I look at the card. I'm like, what is in this card? What details are in this card? What symbols are in there? Uh, or reading the, you know, if, if they came with a, a guidebook, reading the book and um, and be like, what what meaning do they see in this art? How is that related? How do what details have they put in there? So it's been a really great way to to appreciate what artists are doing. Yeah. Then Jennifer, can I ask this question of you? And I will also say, I'm sorry, I feel like I've been just throwing all the questions out to Scott really rapid fire and I'm <laughs> not giving you any space to get in there. So no, no, you're uh, totally fine. I mean, this is definitely your wheelhouse completely. <laughs> um, and before I answer, am I answering that question? Yes. I would just like to comment. I appreciate the background of your Zoom call, Scott, and kind of how it kind of does reflect this whole idea of like collecting things. And so, um, could you maybe talk a little bit about like what exactly am I looking at behind you? Because I've been obsessed with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So I am in my 
office at the university right now and you can only see one wall it is all four walls plus all of the furniture um i have just over the last three years been sticking random stuff to my walls so i have um some of it is art that it was made as art uh, i have several posters um but i also have like tarot cards that i've put on there there's a lot of bits from like uh, these are from board games. Uh, I have a bottle cap, several bottle caps. I have uh, Please Wake Me for Meal Service from an airplane. Uh, I've got stickers, a lot of it, especially since I've started trading zines and buying zines, zinesters. And anytime you buy stuff on Etsy, people are just always putting random stuff in there, uh, stickers, little postcards. So, um, but I also, like, I have a lot of stuff I've pulled out of the trash. I have things... Uh, there's a an art university close to mine, and every at the end of every semester, all of the art students throw their notebooks away, and I go and I pull them out of the trash and rich rip pages out of their art notebooks, um, some of which I have used in my zines. I, I always try to change it so I'm not just like 100% copying someone's thrown away art. But um, yeah, I have some art. Um, let's see. That's see a lot of art up there. You can <laughs> you can you can see yeah, that, that goes like all some the way fashion. Up. There's some fashion drawings from someone who threw away some of their fashion designs from the fashion school. Um, I have the three big posters are from puzzles, uh, the the like puzzle things that and they come with. Uh, it's just a large random collection. Some of it I printed out myself. A lot of it I found in the trash. A lot of it is just stuff that was going to get thrown away. Um, my favorite stuff is actually stuff that's right in front of me so I can look at it while I'm writing. I have some art from my children, um, a lot of like posters from various artists, lots of tarot cards. Uh, I've, yeah, so it's just, it's full. The whole, the whole office is just full of <laughs> stuff. It gets better. It just keeps getting better. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's and I, I love this is like floor to ceiling coverage. It's kind of like you're, you're going through some crazy like investigation and I'm looking for that red thread to kind of like, oh, this connected to this. And then kind of how it all yeah. comes around to create some greater <laughs> like mystery unsolved, right? I should do that. I should just start attaching random threads to things. Um, yeah, I, I want it to be, uh, I mean, especially the ones that are like right above my computer are, some of them are very intentionally, very meaningful to me that like they have, they're kind of like my affirmations, whether or not they actually say anything, but like I know what they mean and why it's there. But a lot of it is just, um, you know, it's just fun. <laughs> uh, and it, it also, it goes back to what I said before that like, I'm trying to find meaning. A lot of the things that are on the wall, I, a, a lot of it was designed to be art and it is artful, but a lot of things are not. Like I have some chopsticks and a spoon and like an Allen wrench. Um, and I don't even know what that, I think it was like part of like a face guard thing. I don't know, but they were designed by a person, you know? And I, I like this idea that if a person has made it, it like, uh, if I, again, I'm gonna be talking about this in the, the Four of Magpies that comes out. Um, like, what is the difference between an object that was made as art and was not made as art? And like somehow usefulness makes it not artistic, but I don't know, I'm trying to, look at it as art and make it art and although a lot of it again it actually was made to be art 
that almost comes back to kind yeah. of something that I really enjoyed hearing you talk about earlier. And again, I'm apparently like avoiding this, the question, but I'm sorry, but I'm just doing my okay. thing. Um, <laughs> is um, the way that you're talking about how you work with collaborators and it kind of, I, I believe you're talking about the seven of magpies where you're like, oh, well, I gave them the prompt. They gave me a written piece was not what I was expecting. So I kind of went back and reapproached the written prompts. And so kind of, mm -hmm the way that you're engaging collaborations kind of open. So you're not, you're not kind of very like confined and restricted to kind of like your own set of rules or guidelines in a way that I think is kind of reflective of tarot and the way that kind of people approach how they like, kind of interpret these archetypes and symbols and stuff like that. And then even to kind of go beyond that, kind of like how these cards transform themselves based on how they're like laid out in a spread, right? Mm -hmm. And um, like I, I'm going back to like, I'm like, oh, how you're collaborating with the stuff you find. Being somebody who finds things all the time. <laughs> um, I just have like random rocks over my desk that I can tell when someone moves three inches because I put it in the exact same spot, right? <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I guess like a way to kind of tease a question out of my ranting is um, kind of how do you kind of see yourself moving going forward with collaborations in the way that you're kind of working with people or kind of how they work with tarot themselves or if they even work with tarot right yeah um i definitely for the rest of this project the magpie zine project so there's you know a a, a suit of tarot cards has 14 cards um from the ace to the king so my plan right now is for there to be 14 issues of magpie zines um and for each of those, I will have an artist that I collaborate. And as, um, as I have been, um, I, I was blown away by the interest in the project. <laughs> I'll say I was so surprised that more than like 20 people wanted to buy it. Um, but I've, I felt more comfortable asking people not just to collaborate on the visuals, but also on the written stuff. So uh, the three of magpies, uh, someone in the writing group had written this poem and I was like, your poem goes so well with what I want to write about this uh, for the three of magpies. Can I use your poem in it? Um, so I had just asked if I could use that. Um, and that's been one thing I've, I've been doing this, like I'm in a group on Facebook for collage artists and someone posted a collage uh, that is perfect for the five of magpies, which so far that is the I am talking with the artist who's going to be making the card, but um, so like just asking people, can I use this uh, work whole? Uh, and then in terms of even writers, like I have a friend who is a writer and I've already asked her if she would write a, a very short piece that could go in the Five of Magpies zine. Um, so I'm always going to be the one, like I don't want to give up the main essay because that like is the part that got me started on this. And I feel like that part is mine. But the rest of the pages, um, I'm hoping that I'll be able to eventually be a zine that is not just entirely mine, but that I am um, pulling in people. And I even had a friend recently who uh, was the first time to ask, like, can I do something for your zine? And I was like, yeah, let's find something that you can do. Um, so um, that was just a couple of days ago. So I don't even know what we're going to end up doing. But uh, I, that is one of the things that I have seen has been one of the big benefits of this project for me personally and professionally is I am naturally kind of shy at conferences and in group settings. Um, I mean, I can 
I can like start talking endlessly about the things that I'm really nerdy about, but actually going to somebody being like, I have a thing and I think you would like that thing and you should do something with me. I was always very shy, but something about the zine culture has made that so easy and opening uh, and open. Like it's just slow stake. It's just this thing I make by myself. Like I'll pay you some money. You can have a thing in my zine if you'd like. Um, and I've even seen recently. So I, um, I did, I hosted a zine fest um, with the university here. The University of Utah was really generous to fund a zine fest for the local community. Um, I don't think it was the first zine fest that has ever happened in Korea, but it may have been the second. Like, there's lots of book fairs, lots of independent book fairs, but not very many people focusing specifically on zines, and they just kind of have to find spaces at these book fairs. So it was great to have, um, I forgot where I was going with this. Oh, but basically, like, the, the act of zines was what allowed me to then meet a bunch of artists here locally, um, and so now I'm connected with them and will hopefully, even if they're not doing something specifically for magpie zines, I'm hoping that again, using my position at the university, I'll be able to um, help them fund events and do events for my students and for the, the campus um, community more widely. Um, so, I mean, I think that the zine, especially even more though, so than writing a book uh, of essays, I have been forced to collaborate uh, because I need visuals. Uh, and I will say that I am good at creating some visuals, but not all of them. And I want it to be a range more than I can offer. Uh, so finding artists is going to be something for the entire project. Um, that at least the main card, the cover of the zine, which is also the cover of the card, um, I will have somebody for probably all of them. I do kind of, it's not a firm goal, but I guess saying out loud makes it a firm goal. Is I kind of want to be the one to do the King of Magpies, the, the very last one. I yeah, want that's my, it. <laughs> yeah, I want to feel confident enough in my own artistic ability that I could illustrate the very last one. Um, so, but other than that, I'm going to continue to collaborate. And even then, some of the other cards I've mostly done myself, but there's been a few, um, where just for the first printing, I said, can I license your art just for a one-time print run? And I, um, so like the two of Magpies, the first issue of it came with um, a Magpie illustrated four of pentacles. Um, and I paid that artist and our agreement was, I, I will only do one printing of this. Um, so no other issues of the two of, of Magpies comes with that card. Um, although it will be available in her in her tarot deck that I don't know if she's published it yet or not, but she will be. That's great. That's a long rambling question to say, yes, I will continue to collaborate. And I am excited about how collaboration has um, really informed this project from the beginning. I really do like how this project for you is combining both like your tarot meditative practice, uh, your personal writing practice, your spiritual practice, and this like community practice, right? Mm -hmm. Like give you a chance to uh, get more involved in the local community, but also mm -hmm. your your friends who are creating work outside of just Songdo or even like Seoul or, or mm -hmm. Korea in general. Um, can you speak a little bit more about your spiritual practice? Because you mentioned that a little bit, but you only really touched on it. 
and how that is worked into the into the zine itself yeah um so this is shifting and changing the the zine project started i mean i so i i think i officially launched it in october of 21 but in 2020 a lot of things changed for me spiritually um i was raised uh mormon latter-day saint and in 2020 my wife and i decided that we were going to stop attending church um we haven't left the church but we have stopped attending um i won't go into all the reasons why but um i I, like a part of it was like during the pandemic I mean we made the actually the decision right before the pandemic but then the pandemic gave us a really great opportunity to like quietly leave because nobody was going uh but I realized like I didn't really miss most of it um I didn't I didn't miss the like yeah most of church I was like I'm really actually I think just as fine not going but what I felt like I was missing was a sense of like ritual and purpose, um, the the Latter Day Saint practices, um, like there's this the sacrament every week, like many Christian churches. Um, uh, the temple worship also is very ritualistic, and even though I didn't feel like I, um, I had, I didn't miss like necessarily the the teachings that were there there's something about ritual that is symbolic and meaningful and also the weekly like here's an opportunity for you to question yourself and try to improve yourself and I felt like that was something I really did miss about church attendance um and um Kirsten and I are both people who like reading you know books on parenting and self-help and stuff like that but so it's not that necessarily we we felt like we were not doing self-improvement but um, for me, I think I I embraced tarot at that same time. Again, not thinking that it was replacing, like, like oh, Christianity is not it, so I'm going to switch to paganism. Like that was not at all the thinking. But this practice of a ritualized chance to um, contemplate symbols that are outside of myself, but then to apply them to myself. So that was part of. Um, I think a big reason why I decided to use, start using tarot. Uh, I don't think tarot is perfect either, but it at least uh, is uh, something that I can I can do easily, and that makes me question things outside myself. Yeah, I'm glad you found a way to like keep a ritual practice for yourself that mm -hmm. allow you to to have something external related to contemplate with and to work yeah. with. Yeah, it was good. We also, I mean, this isn't at all terror related, but there's a program started, I think, also by former Mormons, but it's not for former Mormons specifically, called Uplift Kids. So we started having a weekly, like, family, we call it family time, um, and it's just, like, little moral and ethical lessons and just kind of check-ins so that we can have something with the whole kids, but then Kirsten and I do tarot together once a week. Um, but then I also do, I don't say that I do tarot for myself every day, but it's pretty common. I almost always have a deck around and um, frequently when I'm journaling, I'll pull a card or just during the day, I'll just pull a card and have it on my desk. Yeah, Something that's great. Think about. I think again, like 
because I, I know you and I was able to, to spend some time with you in Korea, I think the idea of you crafting like reasons to get together with your community and talk to people regularly is very much a Scott Russell Morris thing, whether it is mm-hmm. T and Tarot or like the weekly game nights or like the weekly writing group. It seems like you're always putting yourself out, you're often putting yourself out there for people uh, to support their growth as well as like mm-hmm. growth with people. Yeah. And I'd say that's something that the um, the tarot cards have continually told me. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, there's, <laughs> there were several weeks in a row where I was like feeling down about myself and the tarot cards kept being like, you are the artistic mother of your community and I was like okay that's fine (laughs) uh that's good so I like I've uh yeah I think that's something I'm my wife and I have I don't think we even did it intentionally at first but we have decided to be intentionally that our home we want to be a gathering place where people everyone's always welcome in our home um and also I have really nerdy interests and I need people to do them with so we uh you know Having game night is a great way to get to play games. Yeah. Yeah, that is something that I very much appreciate about you and Kirsten. Um, there's a couple other questions I wanted to ask you as well. I'm also just keeping an eye on the time, and I do want to make sure that we're not eating too far into your, your workday. Um, but also touching on the idea of community and like the response that this zine has found. You brought it up mm-hmm. briefly, just saying that you were surprised at how well it's found an audience. And I think that, you know, your Kickstarter campaign and is it, do you also have a Patreon now? I don't have a Patreon now. Okay. I just, I have, I've done um, Kickstarter for four of four seasons and then I just have an Etsy page. Okay. That's right. Um, I knew I'd grown into another platform and I wasn't sure which one, um, but it seems like the Kickstarter response has been really amazing and things are getting funded very quickly. And uh I'd like to hear a little bit about your experience with that crowdfunding platform mm-hmm. and how that might have like changed or allowed you to see the project in different ways. Yeah. Um, so I had mentioned before that part of my interest in tarot and the idea of magpie decks uh, was from the Alley Man Tarot Project. Uh, and there is a Facebook group called The Alley for fans of that project and of that creator's other projects that they've done since. Um, so it was in that group that I first encountered the idea of Magpie decks. And while I was trying to think of a project, decided that I would theme mine around Magpie decks. So my first, um, followers of my project were in that group where I, I posted my Kickstarter there. Uh, and yes, I know that I did get some traction from zine groups that I'm in and just from Kickstarter advertising generally, but I would say probably like 95, maybe 90% of the people who first bought my my first issue, the Ace of Magpies, were from the fan group of people um, from that one alley project, people who are already making Magpie decks and were already into Magpie Tarot. And mm. so um, in that way, it's not like officially a fanzine, but in a way it kind of is. Like there's this tarot deck that everyone thinks is cool and I made a zine in response to it. Um, and I do mention it in the first scene. So it's, it was sort of a fanzine project. Uh, it's, it's more than that now, but, um, and I've had a lot of people come back from who, who backed the first issue 
Um, so I still, I think I'm getting mostly traction from people who are already interested in the idea of magpies and magpie zines, um, or sorry, magpie tarot. I think that this last one, the Four of Magpies Kickstarter, which only finished last week, um, was my biggest one yet. Uh, and I'm, I think I actually have people who bought it because they're interested in zines this time. Um, I've, there's always been a few people who came for the zine, but I think most people were coming for the tarot card. Uh, and um, and that, that makes me happy. I mean, obviously I, I love the tarot card community. The Alley community group on Facebook is so great, especially if you are interested in making your own magpie decks. It is phenomenal. Um, and people are there so friendly and helpful and they're really artistic. And there are lots of people who are also making their own cards. Um, but as someone who my first love was from writing and writing projects, I'm hoping that I'll be able to also find more people who just like reading good stuff and appreciating the art as well. So um, I want all the communities, but that, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to, I, and I, this is, was hard too, because I discovered zines while I was in Korea, not that I discovered them. I, I, like I knew what zines were, but I began getting more interested in them when I was already here. And there are people in Korea making zines, but I don't speak Korean. So it's, I'm slowly starting to, to connect with them now. Yeah. Uh, but it was hard at first. So, um, and then of course the pandemic, so people weren't like having zine fests and stuff. So uh, it's been, um, I feel like I connected with the tarot community first, and then I'm now starting to connect with the zine community and feel like I'm more a part of it and just mutual interest in the projects. That's great. And I'm excited for that, the like Venn diagram of communities finding the project to, to grow more circles yeah. <laughs> as it continues. Yeah. yeah. And I have been discovering um, there are lots of people out there making tarot inspired zines that I'm certainly not yeah. the only one. I'm certainly not the first to have done that. Um, I think, I don't know if, no, there definitely are other zines I know of whose themes are tarot inspired from the beginning too but um yeah there's lots of individual creators who might not be making all of their zines are tarot themed but they have they have tarot themed ones um, so there's lots out there and can you talk a little bit about the audience uh outside of like the online community that found, kind of like found it first um but my understanding is that you are shipping a lot of these zines to the U.S. as well, mm -hmm. not just to me in the U.S. And yes, yeah, I, almost of all of, yeah, I'd say, I mean, this is just estimating, but of, I'd say about 90% of the people that I, I sell my zines to are in the United States. Um, and luckily, mail from Korea to the United States is very reliable. So, um, it, you know, it's shipping is a little bit more than normal. It would be if I was shipping to someone in the US, but honestly, because I, I don't ship with tracking unless they ask for it, it's not that much more expensive. Um, it's probably, it's less expensive than shipping it with tracking in the US, if I, but just sending it as regular mail is very reliable. I've had a few packages wow. that have got lost along the way, but with the number of zines I've sent out, I think I probably would have lost the same amount no matter where I was shipping from. Uh, so, um, yeah, it, it's been it's been fine. I mean, mail from Korea to the U.S., especially now that the pandemic is over, 
it takes like a week and a half, maybe two weeks. So it doesn't even take that long usually. And um, the hardest part was that was shipping to anywhere that was not in the developed, I mean, not even developed world. Like shipping to Canada the U and the US has always been easy from Korea. There's a lot of Koreans there. And so I think that the they've kept those lines open. But during the pandemic, and then because of the war in Ukraine, it's actually been really hard to mail from here to Europe. Uh, oh. During, I, I don't think I ever had a problem mailing to the UK, but um, like a lot of the Nordic countries, I would try to mail something and they'd say, you, you can't mail anything to here um, unless you do the like expensive tract option. Uh, I've never successfully mailed anything to Greece. Um, I have had somebody a few times who has tried to buy the zine who lives in Greece. And, I can, and I've, I've had to start telling her, like, I don't think I can mail this to you unless you want to pay for the really expensive shipping. Um, I know that in the most recent Kickstarter, I had someone from Italy. So that will be an adventure to see if I can mail to Italy yet. Uh, I think that the Nordic countries are open now for me, but like, be, and it was partially the war in Ukraine, I know was shutting down some of those lines, partially the pandemic. I think it's mostly um, good now. For a while I had a lot, they, they weren't shipping anything to Australia from New Zealand, um, New, Australia, or sorry, from North, from South Korea to New Zealand or Australia. I think that's over as well. I haven't had any problems with, um, Australia. In fact, I had somebody, uh, had someone, her her Etsy order to Australia got lost months and months ago, and she contacted me, and I was like, I'll, I'll send it again, and um, it got to her in like a week and a half, so which was really fast for, for things here. So I the pandemic definitely gave me some shipping issues, but um, other than that, um, I feel like I'm a pretty successful old school mail zine like mailing zines out and stuff, <laughs> which is what they used to do. So, I, you know, I'm just, I'm old school and international. <laughs> I love it. And for people who are looking for your zines, how can they acquire it? Yeah, if you want to find my zines, um, the easiest way right now is to find my Etsy shop, which is Magpie Zines on Etsy. Um, and you can also just follow along with my various art stuff on Instagram, also Magpie Zines. Well, thanks, Scott. And we will have everything linked in the episode notes and everything so people can, can click along and uh, find whatever issue of the Magpie Zine you're on whenever they listen to this. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been a really fun conversation. Yeah, Scott, it's been great to catch up with you uh, and just to hear a little bit more about your, your practice um, and your history with, with this project and with your general writing. So thank you so much. I use some